Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. Today on the I Work For Him show, we're here to talk about the toughest workplaces to bring your faith public. And later on in the show, at the bottom of the half hour, we're going to bring on the new congressman from the Florida District number 13, Congressman David Jolly. He'll be around talking about the toughest place in the world to bring your faith public, and that's Washington, D.C. So stick around. You don't want to miss that. If you've got a tough place, tough workplace to talk about your faith, call into the studio for the first half of the show. 855-255. How about, let me try this again. 855-265-2929. 855-265-2929. If you want to talk about the tough workplace you have to be able to bring your faith forward and talk about Jesus, let's talk about that. Listen, I've had a side career for years. I had a side career for years, and it was selling used cars. And you talk about difficult workplaces to bring your faith public. Now, I own my own dealership, so I could set the standards, but nobody has respect for used car guys. Uh, And honestly, Most used car guys don't deserve a lot of respect. There are a few good ones out there. I am sure of it. But used car guys have earned their reputation. And as a used car guy, I also sold insurance. So I was really right there at the bottom. I sold insurance and I sold used cars. But my clients, my insurance clients, knew that they could come to me and get a great deal in a used car. But what was funny is when I sold to the public, 
they always expected to get taken advantage of because they were dealing with a used car guy. And after a while, they got to know, no, they could trust They could trust me because I did exactly what I said I would do, but it was tough. If you told, if you brought your faith right out in the beginning of the sale, hey, I'm a Christian, you could trust me, buy a used car for me. You know what those customers are going to (laughs) do? They would jump in their car, floor it to the pet, put the pedal to the floor and spin their tires, get away from you because that's the freakiest thing they could ever hear. Here's a guy trying to tell me that he, I should trust him to buy a car from because he's a Christian used car guy. All right. So that's one of the toughest ones I've ever worked in, but let's talk about what are some other tough workplaces to bring your faith public. I mean, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, becoming, you know, bringing a sign into your workplace and holding it up and marching back and forth the workplace saying, you need Jesus. You're a sinner. What I'm talking about is, is an opportunity to be bold in your workplace for Christ. Every day we go to work. We get to know the people that we work around. We know when they're in a good mood. We know they're in a bad mood. But how often do we take advantage of those opportunities for Christ? Because people are hurting. The people that we work with each and every day, they're hurting. They all have pain. They either have pain from growing up in a, in a broken household. They've got pain because of broken relationships. They got pain right now because they got troubled kids. It's one of the other. Or maybe they got just somebody sick very close to them. They've all got pain. And so in those days when you notice that their demeanor is a little bit different, those are perfect opportunities for us to bring Jesus out. And if they know that we're trustworthy because we do what we say we will do, if they know that we're trustworthy because every day we come to work and what do we do when we get to work? We work. Every day when we come to work, what don't we do? Surf the web. Every day when we come to work, what do we do? We have a clean desktop. We accomplish what we're asked to do and we look for other things to do. We're hardworking, looking for good. We're, we're, we're just the ideal employee. Those are the people that, are, when somebody is hurting, they're going to look for those people they know are trustworthy. So I'm telling you, when you walk in your workplace tomorrow, because I know you've already left, you're on your way home, you're sitting in your car somewhere, or maybe you're already at home, or you're sitting in your office and you're wishing that you're in your car, start to pay attention. Because when we bring our, our faith into the workplace, it's not like we're trying to create a, a, a church service. That's not what Jesus did. What Jesus did when he was here, he walked through the marketplace and he touched people where they were, whether they were in their fishing boats, whether they were sitting in their tax collecting stand, whether they were being a Roman centurion or a, or a, one of the Pharisees or Sadducees, or just somebody walking down the street, a blind beggar, somebody asking for some help. He just touched people where they were. He knew and recognized their pain and he reached out to them. And that's what I'm challenging you to do. So tough places, tough workplaces to bring your faith public. How about college universities? Talk about a vitriolic atmosphere for bringing your faith public. Today, our public colleges and universities absolutely are anti-Christ. The professors on a majority, but not all of them, on a majority are teaching our children that the faith that they've been brought up in in church is a waste of time. And where do they get that idea? Because they've worked with a lot of people who were Christian by name only, and Jesus had never made an impact in their lives. And so it's tough. Those professors, if they smell you know, raw meat, those, those young people who are new in the university system, and they're saying, hey, I'm not going to do that assignment because I'm a Christ follower, they will just try to eat them alive. And let's just say you're a professor who actually is a professing Christ follower. They're going to try to chew you up and spit you out because the university system has rejected all recognition of God. 
All right, how about another tough workplace? Talk, I, this one, I think, ranks the t- one of the toughest places to bring your faith public. How about an abortion clinic? There's an all kinds of denial there. You know, the abortion clinics are full of people who are hurting. The women that are coming in there to get an abortion, they're hurting. The people that are working there, they're hurting because they're doing abortions, and it's an ugly, ugly, ugly deal. And, but they need, they need the job. But these people are hurting. The, the infanticide that they see every day is killing them. It's eating them alive. And so it's a great place to bring Jesus in there. I just don't know how you could even work there for a single day. But talk about a ministry place, because abortion clinics are places where people are hurting every person. You can't kill children every day and be okay with yourself. It's just brutal. All right, another one. How about a job in Syria? I think that would be that would be a tough one. Mike, don't you think that'd be a tough one? A job in Syria would be a tough one. But what, what, can you think of another Middle Eastern country that might be tougher than Syria to you know be a professing Christian? None other than that one. I think that one probably would top the list. Yeah, I think Syria would be a tough one. There's a couple other ones where, where if you just say you're a Christian, they're going to chop your head off. It's a rough one. All right, how about this? Is another one I thought would be good. How about being a wrestler in WWF? How many Christ? How many professing Christians do you think there are doing WWF? I think that'd be pretty rough. I don't know. Can you think of any? Were you ever a wrestling? Did you ever watch wrestlers? I did back in the day. Um, I was a big fan of the Ultimate Warrior. Oh, see, I'm more of a Vern Gagne way back when. Jesse Ventura, before he was the governor. You know, guys like that. But I think that'd be a tough place to say, hey, I love Jesus. Let me smash the chair over your head. I think I think that'd be a little rough. All right. I think if you had a job at a mosque. That'd be a tough place to uh, be a Christ follower. You know, and, and really, we're not talking about you, you're walking around and you're just saying, you need Jesus. Oh, by the way, you need Jesus. Oh, by the way, you need Jesus. That's what we're talking about doing. We're talking about being an example of Christ. Here, here's a tough one for the listeners out there. Tough places to bring your faith to work. There's some churches out there that won't, that won't accept you being a true Christ follower in their church. They don't really want to talk about the real Jesus. They want to talk about religion. And if you bring in a relationship with Jesus Christ, there's some churches out there you could lose your job for talking about Jesus. Those aren't churches I think God would be real proud of. But that's the, there's the reality is there's a lot of churches out there. They don't want to know the truth about Jesus. They don't want to know the real Jesus. They want to know about the Jesus that they're making up in their heads. That's a tough one. All right, but it's time for our weekly book highlight, one that I believe will deepen the impact Christ is making on your life. This section is sponsored, as always, by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. Here's the book today that we're highlighting, and that's a book by Dr. Steve Osteff. He's been an, a uh, guest on our show, and he's written the book, The Business Card, and it's all about taking your faith public in your workplace. Sometimes in life, God decides to use the simplest things Simplest little things to initiate great change among his creation. This is possibly the only explanation for what happened as a result of just a few words added to the back of a business card by one successful American business owner. This book unlocks the secret of how these few words have changed a man, a community, and quite possibly tens of thousands of businesses and millions of people around the world. Follow along with a front row seat to view real life stories of Peter and his co-workers as an owner transitions from running a successful business his way to completely giving it over to God to operate it his way. That's the book, The Business Card by Dr. Steve Steff. To win the gift card, call into our studio line, 855-265-2929, 855-265-2929. Remember, 
Read the book. Don't wait for the movie. All right, welcome back to the I Work For Him show. Today we're talking about the toughest places in the world to bring your faith public. And we've got David Jolly coming up at the bottom. Of the top. Congressman David Jolly, he deserves that title. He won, the, he won the race. Congressman David Jolly will be joining us to talk about bringing his faith public in Washington, D.C. All right, in the top of the hour, we were talking about tough places. We talked about tough places to bring your faith public. How about college universities, abortion clinics, on a job in Syria, maybe working WWF. Hey, I love Jesus. Let me smack your head over the... Oh, let me smack you over the head with a folding chair, maybe a mosque. And then I said probably the most shocking thing you've heard today. Tough places to bring your faith public, certain churches. There are churches out there that don't want to hear about Jesus because Jesus would wreck the way they control people's lives. And that's what Jesus, that's why they crucified him, because the Pharisees and Sadducees had a great game going. They had money, power, and control over people, and Jesus eliminated their power, and they were threatened by him. And it's the same thing today, and it's ridiculous, but in some churches today. How about some more tough places? How about family reunions? There's nothing tougher than being around your family who's known you since you were in diapers and they've known all the stupid things you've done and then your life is impacted by Jesus Christ and you go and you want to tell them how, how Jesus has impacted your life and it's tough. Very, very tough. So family reunions, that'd be one of those tough places. All right, how about on a landscaping crew or construction crew? The rough, the tough, they take a tumble. Talking about Jesus just seems countercultural. But it can be done. Again, we're not talking about you running around waving a banner saying, I love Jesus, so should you. you know, and saying, hey, you're a sinner. You're talking about just living the life of Christ out loud and then looking for opportunities on days when people are just having a bad day to say, hey, what's going on? How can I pray for you? What's going on in your life? Is your marriage rough? I mean, just what's going on? Ask them the question and really mean it. Don't say, how you doing? And then not wait for the answer. you got to wait for the answer. All right. How about a street corner? Sharing your faith on a street corner? I'm not sure it's real effective. But there are some people out there doing it. But the number one thing I thought of today that, you know, we got some tough ones. Actually, they all fight for number ones in my mind. But one of the really tough places other than Washington, D.C., how about one of those workplaces where the owner says, yes, I'm a Christian. And yet he or she does all kinds of really creepy things that make Jesus look really awful. And you're talking about bringing the real Jesus into the workplaces. Those are really tough workplaces because the owner just wants to use his or her faith to make money, but not really let Jesus get anywhere close to his heart, mind, soul, or strength. And those are really tough places. So there's lots of tough places out there, but my, let me just make some suggestions on how to approach those places. You know, some easier places to share your faith. How about an ICU ward? You know, uh, you know, these people that are dying, their family, they're, they're looking for hope. That's, uh, that's really a great place. How about in a bar? Everybody in a bar, they're all needy. They're all trying to cover up their pain with alcohol. And so that's a good place to go. Um, not if you've got a drinking problem, however. You know, uh, how about an army job where your death is imminent? You know, because you're, you're fighting battles. And we got lots of fantastic veterans out there that have fought for our freedom in this country that we consistently are trying to give away. These guys, they face, they go to the front lines. They want to know there's hope. They want to know there's hope. You know, there are some churches where it's pretty easy to bring your faith there, but not always. How about some shelters 
you know, some women's shelters. But you got to ask this question. Why is it tougher? Why do we think it's tougher in some places to be Jesus than others? And it's all about the relationship we have with those people. It's important that we recognize that some people are just really open because they're hurting. And the tough will crack open if they know that you love them, if they know that you really care. They want to know that you care before they know they want to know about Jesus. You know, people will tell you anything if they're convinced that you care. That I know for sure. But how can you be prepared to share your faith? You know, there's one thing I, I learned just a couple of years ago. A friend of mine, Matt Williams, brought it brought to my attention. But there's this, uh, uh, if you go to this website, Sharing Jesus Without Fear. And, and if you're real uncomfortable with trying to start up those conversations, that's something I would recommend that you really look into. Sharing Jesus Without Fear, it's a great website. It just, it, it gives you these questions that you ask. Hey, do you have any kind of spiritual belief? You let him answer. To you, Who's Jesus? You let him answer. Do you believe there's a heaven or hell? You let him answer. If you died right now, where would you go? You let him answer. If what you believe were not true, would you want to know it? And let him answer. If they say, yes, I want to know if it's not true, then you got an opportunity to really share. But this is not about arguing people into Jesus, because you can't argue people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. they got to know. they got an issue that's separating them from God, and they really want to fix it. That's how you get into this. This that's how you start to minister to people. You you just start to look for opportunities for people who are hurting. Because almost everybody we know has days where they're hurting more than others. You know, and I recommend that you memorize some scripture. You know, Romans 3:23, Romans 6:23. Those are good verses to start off with. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Those are verses you need to memorize. After you've shared with them about what Christ has done in your life, again, don't convince them they need Jesus. Just tell them what Christ has done in your life. They can't argue with that. After you've shared that with them, buy them a Bible. Ask them to read the book of John. Put your bookmark in it and follow up with them. Because the book of John is about as in your face about who Jesus is than anywhere else. All right, right before the break in the last half hour, we've been talking about the toughest workplaces to bring your faith public. But here at the bottom of the half hour, we bring in none other than Congressman David Jolly, recently elected to the uh, to District Number 13, right here in Pinellas County, Florida, to the Congress of the United States. And when you talk about the toughest workplaces in the world, I think that describes it pretty well. Going to Washington, D.C. Congressman David Jolly, thank you for joining the I Work For Him show today. Well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, this uh, this show is here talking today all about bringing our faith public in the workplace. And I know that one of the things you did while you're in your run up to getting elected to Congress was really you, you brought your faith public. And then I know that I've been going to church with you when you're in town. And I just let's just start off with talk about how Jesus has impacted your life. Well, listen, I I mean, I, I believe in a loving God who we reach salvation only through him. And if you believe that, that creates the foundation not only to your faith, but to all things in your life. And it matters not which career you, you choose, which school you go to, which community you live in. Uh, we are all God's children. And if you believe in the tenets of his teachings, you represent those as best you can anywhere you can. I will tell you this. Uh, I don't know how somebody without faith could get through a political campaign like we <laughs> had here locally. <laughs> because I used to say nothing, nothing will renew your faith. Uh, it's like waking up every morning and seeing all the trash written about you. That's that's a hard thing. It's easy to see the good stuff. 
It's hard to see the bad stuff. I can't even imagine. I, I read the same papers that you read, and it's rough. It, it's rough. It's hard to get honesty and integrity in uh, news reporting today at all. And in, uh, in this town, in Tampa Bay, it's tough. All right. So, listen, the first half of the show, we talked about these toughest workplaces. You go to work in Washington, D.C., which used to be a really cool place to go. But the rest of us, the, constitu- the constituency of the United States, we all look at Washington, D.C. As, as a place that gobbles up people, that sucks them in and spits them out as fodder. How do you? How have you found the working environment so far? You've, you've only been go- going there for several months now, but how have you found the working environment now that you're going? there every day. Well, I want to share some good news. Uh, there are a lot of members of Congress I work with who are believers, uh, who come from a Christian faith or, or some from other faiths. But again, knowing what it puts a person through to run a political campaign, and I mean this seriously, you have members of Congress who have been tested thoroughly and have faced a lot of life's challenges. And so the good news is know that there are a lot of believers uh, serving in Congress. I think the challenge for any member of Congress, and this is true for anybody, is making wise decisions, giving in to temptation, the the go-along-to-get-along track. That's challenging. And also understand, and I mean this very respectfully, listen, we, we get the Congress that we as voters elect, and so we all bear responsibility for the state of our politics, and it's important that we elect members of Congress uh, that can engage honestly with their community about the challenges we face. Yeah, it, it is so important that just our, the people, the public that are listening, that they vote. People of right. people of faith in Jesus Christ, if they would just vote their conscience, that would be awesome. Right. But we can't get them to we, vote. We are, we are in this together, Jim. We are in this together as one community. What, what do you think is the biggest challenge you face each day living out your faith as you head off to work in Congress? What's the biggest challenge you face each day? Well, so I would say, you know, the challenge I face is probably the same as any, which is honoring our faith and our conviction. And, and I'll tell you the way I try to do it in Congress, which obviously is not a place of much religion, although we start each session with an opening prayer and there are believers there. But I try to live out the principles and teachings of our Lord, of Jesus Christ, which is uh, first and foremost love. If you think about one of the fundamental teachings of, of Jesus, it was love. It was love your neighbor. It was pray for your enemy. It was the Good Samaritan. It was the crucifixion itself, the greatest act of love mankind has ever seen. If people see love, they know you care for them. And I would also say then humility. Listen, politics is an industry full of a lot of egos, and it doesn't need to be. (laughs) I, I joke that the most effective bumper sticker I could ever put on a political campaign is this. I don't have all the answers. Uh, but I recognize that. I don't have all the answers. I'm elected to represent a community, and to, together we have all the answers. And if my peers, and frankly those in the community who give me the honor to serve, see both love and humility, then perhaps they also have a glimpse into my faith, because that's what it's all rooted in. Well, and it's tough, because you're you're serving a community here that's got about, a, I don't know if there's about a million people, probably a little bit less than that in your district. And you got a wide range. I mean, the, the Tampa Bay area is a wide range, and you've got Pinellas County, which is, you know, a wide range of economic status, a wide range of people of some faith, some no faith, and some bold faith. And, and it's you got some big challenges. Where do you go to get encouragement to to keep in step with with your faith in Jesus Christ? Where do you go to get that encouragement when you're up in D.C.? Because it's easy when you're home because you you got a church you can go to, you got local friends that know you. But where do you go when you're there? 
That's right. Well, so listen, fellow believers, uh, certainly, and I mentioned in the, even in the per- first two months, uh, I have met several members of Congress who have become uh, friends of mine, and we've developed a friendship really because of our faith. Uh, I will also share this. You know, the listeners would be encouraged to know that there are weekly Bible studies that members of Congress can choose to attend, and many of them do. So there are opportunities to be renewed, but you're right about the, the encouragement factor. You know, my father's a retired minister, and for years he had a little note that he had written himself on his phone, and it said, who can I encourage today? And that was what he would try to do. Every time he spoke with somebody, he would try to be encouraging. We need that. Listen, in politics, particularly representing this district, on any given day, 50% of my community, my neighbors, disagree with me. And frankly, 50% of them might prefer to have somebody else <laughs> in my place. That's, that's a discouraging moment if you don't keep your eyes focused on what you believe is right for our community, for the country, and frankly, for our faith. Well, and, and, I, and I can see where the need for encouragement is huge. And one of the, one of the big things that I struggle with as, as somebody that would, you know, I pay attention to what's going on in D.C. all the time. And it's just, you know, I just, that's the way I was taught, going to school, man. I started reading the paper when I was a kid, and I've always been interested in politics. And it's the encouragement, but it's hard to get access to the people that that serve us. But it's the accountability that we struggle with is how do we hold the people we elect accountable? Because it seems like once they get, excuse the word, once they get sucked into D.C., that we can't hold them accountable anymore because they seem like they're, we can't get them anymore. Well, that's exactly right, and, and that's a challenge. I was just sharing with somebody, uh, a constituent I was visiting with a few minutes ago, that you know, one of the challenges is to make sure every day that I am honoring uh, the responsibility I've been given by our community, to represent our community, to do what I think is right for the future of our country. But in doing so, I have to work within a body that has its own set of rules. And I am very careful that the more I focus in on how do I get our agenda passed through the Congress, that I never lose sight of why I'm doing it and of the community I represent. It's a struggle. I will tell you this. I I addressed the National Federation of the Blind yesterday, and I said, we are one team in this. And the day that you see that I have lost sight of that, throw me out. And any other member of Congress that loses sight of the fact that they're elected to represent their community, they should be thrown out as well. And I wish we had that attitude nationwide, because there are some people that need to go because they just, they've lost sight of who they serve. They just serve themselves anymore. And, it, and it, it's easy, because I know that there's the power of the lobby and the power of just the influence. There, there's just a lot of money, and it, it's, easy to get, it's easy to get deceived. And uh, I... That's that's the concern. So that so we, we talk about you needing encouragement, but also that accountability. How how do you get held accountable to make sure that you're staying on that uh, that you're really still representing who you are and who we are as a county, and also your relationship with Christ? How do you stay accountable? So accountability with the community is through elections, and I'll tell you, we have a very unique district in Pinellas County. It's one of about ten in the entire country that's a true swing district, about 50-50. And because we have a primary so close to a general, understand that you know we have a primary election that's generally much more conservative, and then 10 weeks later, 12 weeks later, we have a general election that's much more moderate. So how does, a, how does an elected official deal with that? Here's how I do it. I, guide, I, I start each day with some very simple principles. First, be honest. Be honest about where you stand. Second, keep your word. Keep your word. 
And you know what? I've cast some hard votes thus far already that some on the right have agreed with, some on the right have disagreed with, some on the left have disagreed with, some on the left have agreed with. But I've been honest every step of the way, and I've owned that decision. I've tried to explain it to people, and frankly, I've kept my word. And I think people want to see that in elected officials. If I honor that promise and nothing else, then I know I've at least been accountable both to my community, but also the tenets of my faith that require integrity and honesty in everything we do. What are, and I promised I wouldn't go political on you tonight, but what do you think has been the toughest vote that you've had to make? Was it, is it because it, it was just hard to draw a line? And we don't have to be specific. You don't want to, because I didn't want to go political. But you said you had to make some tough votes already. And I haven't seen Congress pass much you know, on a nation. Sure. What are some of those tough votes? What do they represent? Well, strictly politically, I'll tell you the Ryan vote was a very difficult, Ryan budget vote was very mm. difficult for me because I believe that the long-term debt is the greatest threat to our country. Okay. And yet, I represent a district that I had promised that we needed more moderate changes to our long-term budget to achieve balance. Any that change. Was challenging. But I will also tell you this, probably the greatest challenge I face in my current position that I struggle with really deals with religious freedom issues. We do subscribe to certain tenets of our Christian faith. Uh, but the question is, what's the role of government when it comes to religion? And I've sat with many pastors and had the discussion, you know, is it the Church's responsibility to shine the light in darkness? Is it the Church's responsibility to minister? Of course the answer is yes. But what's the role of government in that? Is the role of government to actually stay out of the way and let the Churches do that and give the Churches the freedom? Or is the role of government to support Churches and to support those Christian principles? That's a very difficult position to be in, and it's something that I take very seriously. Well, and it's a tough one because a lot of churches have dropped the ball and let the government do things that the churches used to do, and there's a, the, a cooperation between the churches and the government is really, I think, probably what should happen because it didn't used to be separated. You know, the separation of church and state is such an overused deal, but it, the churches have dropped the ball. The churches aren't ministering to the communities because they say, well, the government will take care of that. Well, we're all the government, and the debt position you have i agree we got to take care of something and anything as a step forward is a good way all right before we go to break i want to hear how do you want us praying for you how do you want us as your constituents praying for you on a daily basis well i would say uh pray for for two things and we can talk about this after the break but it's what i pray for everybody as well peace and strength uh the lord promises each of those if we claim them i try to claim those every day peace and strength is what each of us need to get through the challenges we face each day. All right. Okay, well, thank you, Congressman David Jolly. All right, we've been talking with Congressman David Jolly about the toughest workplaces in the world to bring your faith public, and he goes every day to Washington, D.C. It doesn't get much tougher than that, does it, Congressman Jolly? It, It can be tough sometimes, you're right. You know, I've watched politics all my life, not all my life, but since seventh grade, because that was I had a social studies teacher that said, hey, you got to start paying attention to this stuff. And, and in fact, I aspired to be a senator years ago. I thought, when my kids graduate from high school, that's what I want to do. Yet, I, it scared me because I never saw any good-intentioned, well-intentioned person go to Washington, D.C. and not become part of the problem that they went there to go solve. How do you intend to not become a statistic? Of, of one of those guys that goes, a great guy going to Washington to make a difference, and instead part of the, becoming part of the problem we call the U.S. government. Well, so listen, I think perhaps I come at this job a little differently than some. This is my very first elected office. This is my very first campaign. 
And I will tell you, there was very little personal or political, financial or business reason for me to do this, uh, but for the conviction I have that Congress should work. I talk about the radical notion that Congress should govern, Congress should work. And I can tell you this, uh, if I were to ever succumb to a Congress that is dysfunctional and doesn't work, I have much better things to do with my life. <laughs> I, I would much rather spend time with family and friends than be part of dysfunction. So, listen, I'm new, and I'm trying to work through some changes. I'm being very careful to make sure I do it in a constructive way that still allows me an audience within the Congress. I have some ideas for reform. We're going to continue to roll those out over the next six or eight months. I think your listeners will have an opportunity to see some of those pretty soon. It's a tough one, and I know that we need to pray for you. That steadfast strength, that encouragement that you need, and then the accountability, it it's tough. You've got a tough job. And and it is. There's so much danger lurking around every corner because there's always somebody trying to trying to influence you is probably the best way to say it. Right before the break, you said, hey, Jim, I'd like for my constituents to pray for me for peace and for strength. Why those two things? So I went through this race uh, that personally provided significant challenges to me uh, and to my family and to my loved ones. And I'll be honest with you, for as difficult as Washington might seem, it pales into comparison to the challenges that all of us face. You know, parents struggling with teenagers that are facing tough decisions, uh, loved ones, marital issues, family issues, community issues. Those challenges are far more daunting than anything I'll ever face as a member of Congress. And I have always held on to two principles, two promises of our faith. Uh, first, the Lord promises a peace that passes all understanding. And secondly, he promises that as our days are, so shall our strength be. Those are promises that we just have to claim. And I claim those each day, and I'll be honest with you, I say a little prayer every time I see a fallen soldier, that their family will know peace and strength that only the Lord can provide. I think if we all share in providing that type of prayerful support for each other, we can face whatever challenges they are, be it within our own families or within uh, the Congress of the United States. It's tough. And you follow big, big footprint. I mean, uh, you know, Congressman Young was in that spot for 40 years. And, and so it's it's big steps to follow. But it's also you got a chance to, to blaze a new path because he'd been in there, in my opinion, great guy, but had been in there a long time. And, and we need fresh blood that goes in without influence. And so we're all going to pray for you for that peace and that strength that you can be that guy that goes in and makes a difference and doesn't become part of the problem that we out here paying taxes call the problem of our our U.S. government. I want to digress a little because I really want to talk about our country. Because in my understanding, this country was founded on the the basis of the Judeo-Christian worldview. And everything that I read from all of our founding fathers, that's why we set this up, because they were getting persecuted for their faith in England, and they wanted to come over here and have the freedom to practice their faith the way they wanted to do it, and they didn't want to have the influence of a so-called church, which was really a political arm of the the British government. They, They wanted the freedom to worship the way they wanted to worship. Is that your understanding of why this country was set up? Oh, it absolutely is. And, and let me share a perfect example of that. Our founders believed that freedom, individual freedom, was a gift from the God Almighty that was granted to the individual, and then the individual, together with others, determined how much authority to give to their government to govern over the individual. And that was a radical notion compared to the old world, where they believed 
that God gave a power to the state, to the monarch, and then power was distributed to the individual. Our founders, without question, believed in an individual liberty that was God-given and should be protected. Yeah, and that's what ticked people off. That's why they killed Jesus. That's why they crucified him, because he was messing with their system. It was all about money, power, and control. And when you mess with people who have the money, the power, and control, they don't like it. They want to get you out of their way. Right. How do you think we've strayed so far from the truths that our founding fathers... I mean, you hear people reinterpreting what they really meant all the time. And right. I mean, what was amazing to me, I was reading uh, one of the local commentators in the newspaper, Daniel Ruth, this week, and he just irritated the living daylight. See, he made a comment like uh, about the Supreme Court decision last week that said uh, that companies could choose whether to offer, based on religious beliefs, whether to offer birth control or not, certain types of birth control. And he said, since when are we going to let, now we're going to let the companies decide instead of the government what's in people's best interest? These are people that put their lives and their own money in these companies. Why does the government think that they can do it? Sorry, I got off my soapbox. How how have we, I mean, is there a hope for our government that we can turn it around to actually be representative of the people of this country? Well, there is, and I think in your question, you just issued a challenge. You know, when we talk about the low approval rating of Congress, and I said this earlier, the fact is we get the Congress and we get the government that we as a community and we as a nation elect and we tolerate. And so it is up to all of us to demand better. And for those in the faith community, we should continue to strive to elect members of Congress and other officials that represent the tenets of our Christian faith. But frankly, for those who do not belong to the faith community, they should insist on integrity and accountability and responsibility. They should insist on individual uh, liberty and freedom. That includes a business owner who should have the opportunity to decide how they use their resources on behalf of their employees. That's a freedom of the business owner. Uh, But it comes down to each and every one of us. It starts right here in Pinellas County to elect officials that we believe represent the fundamental teachings of our Christian faith. Congressman Jolly, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. Before you go, I want to pray for you. So if you just join me in prayer and all the 10 or 20,000 people who are listening, just pray. Father, just pray right now for Congressman Jolly as he goes every day to the toughest workplace on this planet. Lord, I pray for his peace and for his strength and that he would submit to you for his leadership each and every day. Lord, that you would protect him from the attacks all around him because there are people that want to influence him that don't have the best interest of the the constituents of the United States in mind. They want their interests represented. Father, protect him, protect his life, protect his heart, protect his soul. And Lord, thank you for him being so open and honest on the show today. And we offer this up in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jim. Thank you to each of your listeners as well. We're one team. Thank you for joining us today. It was awesome having you on. I'd like to bring you back again in the future. We'll do it. Thanks, Jim. All right. See you later. Okay. As we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, picture this, if you will. The sun is shining and the clear blue ocean waves are passing by as the Royal Caribbean Brilliance of the Seas cruise ship sails between Tampa and Cozumel. You can almost smell the salt air now as we talk about our plans for the upcoming second annual Cruise Your Way to a Better Marriage Retreat, sponsored by I Work For Him. February 5th through the 9th, 2015 will be a time when you and your spouse can get away to invest in your marriage. No dishes to do, no sporting events to attend, no cell phones to answer. 
Praise the Lord. Just a few days together in a beautiful environment with purposeful discussions on ways to make your marriage strong, as well as plenty of time for those private discussions and alone time built right into the agenda. Plan now to join us for this much-anticipated retreat. Find out all the details on our website, iworkforhim.com. That's iwork, the number four, him.com. Or you can send me an email to jim at iworkforhim.com. That's jim at iworkforhim.com. This is going to be a blast. So much fun for you and your married spouse, your spouse you're married to. That's what I'm trying to say. Please contact me, jim at iworkforhim.com, to find out more about the cruise your way to a better marriage. On tomorrow's I Work For Him show, we'll be continuing our discussions on this week's theme, Bringing Our Faith Public. We've got Todd Hopkins, the CEO of Office Pride. He'll be joining us as we talk about how he has taken his faith public in his workplace and with his franchisees. We'll also be talking about his excellent book, The Five Wisdoms for Entrepreneurial Survival. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.